Are you still getting spammed, Sam, from like, you know, can you put another episode up? Can you put another episode? Because I am. Yep. Do you get those spams, Father Dave, or are you more anonymous in this whole I'm know, production? very anonymous in this production. Who do you get spams from? Like people who know you or people who don't know you? Bernsey. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, Gabe. And his friends. There's, a, there's a, oh, the Archbishop's secretary in Hobart. Hmm. Oh. Oh. The one who keeps secrets. <laughs> oh, is, that, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Of course it is. Yes. <laughs> so we're all secretaries. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I'd never put the two together as far as sect. Well, it's only because uh, we need to People employ a new secret. secretary. And I, in the midst of talking about it, I was like, I wonder where that word comes from. Yeah. So do you, um, is that how you, you know, when you're interviewing, do you go, so uh, tell me a secret? So they go, no, no, I, I can't. I, I don't disclose you're hired. my secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I just challenge them on the etymology of the word. And if they, if they know the answer, then, yep, yep, you're my kind of person. <laughs> you're in. Have you got an intro? Welcome to Sons of Thunder, the podcast that stops me from doing all the other stuff that I have to do. That's, so, that's scattered around me. Yes. Or was, it, was that it? Or are you going to, you know? Yeah, I reckon that could work. Kick it up a level? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Welcome anyway. Like sands through the hourglass. These <laughs> are the days of thunder. Oh, thunder. sons of thunder. Sons of thunder. <laughs> days of thunder is a movie. <laughs> Hail Mary, full of grace, the grace, Lord is with Lord thee. Is with thee. Blessed, blessed are thou among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God, pray for, pray us, for sinners, us sinners, now and at the hour, at the hour of, our of our death. Amen. Amen. It is Saturday, so it's Mother's Day. Awesome. Well, it's a Saturday Sorry, in May. It's a Saturday in May. It's like a mm. double header. Yeah. Left-right combo. The old left-right good night. <laughs> or, or as, or as, or as Donna misquoted once, the right-left. See you later. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Back to you, Sam. <laughs> That's actually a better one. Uh, are we actually? Are we doing? Shall we start again? Shall we? What do we want to do? Uh, yeah, I think we. I think we formally think, start, and uh, we then. I think it's important to have a start, a middle, and an end. We've almost got to the start line. Like sands through the hourglass, these are the sons of thunder. Welcome to Sons of Thunder. I'm Sam. I'm here with Father Dave Callahan and with Marty over in Perth. Good to see you guys. And uh, Marty, it is your call for this week. You've made the plan. You've made the call. We all got the text. So what are we doing? So, yeah, yeah, nice intro. When you say plan, that's probably a little bit of an overstatement, but I want to talk about... You, you did actually, in the text message we received, you did actually put a few little extra bits in there. It's not just, this is the topic. Yep, that's right. The rantings of a madman. So broken. Split over two texts. Yeah. Because <laughs> he well. couldn't remember it all at once. <laughs> yeah, that's some more inspiration later. Anyway, what I want to talk about was this is broken but loved, like all of us, and the tension that there is there in in that, you know, relationship where we 
we want to make things black and white and simple, but it's not probably quite as black and white and simple as that. And when I say talk about, what I really want to do is listen to Father Dave explain it. <laughs> well, actually, you've had a little bit of practice here, Father Dave, because last week, whilst driving across Victoria uh, between schools, I actually rang you. We had a bit of a chat. It was a private mm. Sons of Thunder conversation, and it actually wasn't too dissimilar because one of the things that was raised was there is a particular theology did you record that, it? Are you going to release it as a B-side or something? Sorry, back to you. <laughs> no. no I, I received a, a terse email and within it, there was this person was uh, trying to, uh, well, open my eyes to a particular theology. And I, I looked into it. And I, I'll be honest. I, I don't think it is correct. Um, I was going to say I don't care for it, but that's not quite it. I I think it fell well short. And one of the problems with this particular theology was that they were trying to move people away from Christianity being about seeking holiness and purity and saying that that is not what Christianity is about. But there are horrible, horrible consequences to it. And it's not a case of, well, it's it's all or nothing, black and white. It's this is a part of it. This is a part of the journey. And we are called to holiness and we are called to purity, but that's not just the end result. There are flow-on effects from that, so Father Dave and I were talking about. Uh, well, I was trying to get some background to it as to why people would be rejecting holiness and purity, almost saying, "Well, everyone's broken. That's absolutely normal, and we just need to accept that that's who we are to an extent." That's a, that's a bit of an oversummarization of it. And and I think a lot of that, what you were talking about there, Sam, comes down to this kind of what people would talk about, almost like the sort of the social gospel, you know that. Jesus was just around to help us to be nice to each other. And oh, can... the gospel from the Church of Nice. Yes, that's right. Um, you know, which is, and, and, which is and... not the one that Jesus founded, but exactly. Yeah. And and so it's sort of this misconception that pursuing holiness is the most selfish thing you can do uh, because it's all about yourself and you know locking yourself up in some monastery and not caring about other people. You're only caring about your own soul. Yeah, I just think that's straw man argument. Well, if you're going there, to take... there's holiness in the domestic church, in our everyday actions, in our caring for 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 Marty, for his children, and for his spouse, for yeah. Father Day, for your parishioners. If, I, your if I'm going to be completely blunt, you know, there's there's a, there's a line in Saint Paul where Please he says, do. you know, test everything, you know, test every bit of theology or doctrine that comes across. I hear this sort of thing and I think, well, like it's it's 90% of the gospel, but it's leaving out the other 10%, you know, like. Which is and, the, the, it's an important bit, like. Being you know, Jesus, yes. Yeah, being, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, redem the redemption, that bit. Repent and believe the good news, all that stuff, yes. You know, and I often think like if you, if you were to take the devil as your spiritual director, he would be suggesting to you 90% of the gospel. And we would suggest don't do that. No, no. And and, and that's the thing that, that we often have <laughs> As C.S. This... Lewis said, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, yeah. don't, stop. don't. Right no. now, stop. <laughs> but, yeah, I, often, often you get these ideas which sound like Christianity, but they're not actually really life-giving, you know. And, and it comes back to a bit of what Pope Francis has been talking a lot about, being this neo-Pelagianism. So you all know who Pelagius is. So Pelagius, 
Of course. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We, we, we all know. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, right. Could you? I, <laughs> could you? I, yeah. I know. Could you just remind? I me? just. I just remember from an earlier podcast my joke that it wasn't his idea. He plagiarized that's right. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's all I can remember it. about Pelagius as yeah, well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, but that's one of the things. So, so the Pope. The Pope always talks about Neo-Pelagianism, assuming that everyone knows what he's talking about. So basically, this was a, a bishop back from around the three, oh, no, later, maybe 400s. He was around the same time as St. Augustine. People's interpretation of what he was saying was basically that God had given you all the grace you needed. You just now had to work hard and do it yourself. Ah. And so this heart sort of... That creates, that really creates a sense of a very distant cosmic God as opposed to personal walking with you entering into your suffering yeah and and christianity is just a matter of try harder you know if you try really hard you'll be able to become a saint we can make ourselves perfect we can create the perfect world uh now the whole thing was that saint augustine at the same time was completely on the other end of the spectrum and he was saying no we need grace because he was so aware of his own sin and his own brokenness and he said you know we've got a god who's come down and loved us in our brokenness but we can't do it ourselves. You know, we we have to acknowledge our helplessness and call on the grace of God. So I suppose that, that that is the battle which has always been with the church ever since. But would you say, I mean, this way I see this is the work is God's, like the, your life, the work in your life is God's work. Your contribution is cooperating with his work. That's, yeah. that, that's how I see it. And, yeah. and the more we cooperate, the better we benefit from that and the better the people around us benefit from mm. and and cooperation is the key word you know that, that god is giving you grace but you've got to do something so mm. yeah so some people would say well it's god's problem if he doesn't make me holy then that's his fault whereas others would say well god's not really going to do much at all i've got to do it all myself it's somewhere in the middle it's like well mm. you know i've got to respond every day to the way that god is putting me through training and testing me so that i can actually deal with my brokenness and and be healed. I love that, that St. Therese of Lisieux dipping into that first extreme you said there, though, but just putting a toe in saying, Lord, if you want me to do this, you have to provide me with more grace. <laughs> yes. But there's certainly a willingness to do it. It's just, you're just going to have to, I can't do this. Yeah. I need you. Every, I need every, you. every time I've prayed a prayer like that, I've been given more grace. It's a good prayer to pray. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Marty. <laughs> Okay, so Paul says, you tell me where, Father Day, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Uh, Romans 5. Romans 5. Yes, yes yeah, that is Romans 5. Classic, classic Romans 5. Now, this is where I get this tension in me, right? Because I can look back and say when, you know, I used to be even worse than I am now, right? And when I sort of early first encountering of Jesus, I can sort of understand that terms in a static kind of way that back then, when I was still a sinner, that Jesus loved me and died for me, right? And what I struggle with is right now, when I'm still a sinner, that that sort of still applies in a more dynamic kind of way. That because my transactional mind is much, it's much easier for me to sit into if I if I if I don't sin and if I go to confession, then everything's cool and God will love me. And when I mess up you know, it's hard for me to see that God can love me. But I don't think that's quite what Paul's saying. I think he's saying even now when you're in 
relationship with Jesus. And when you mess up, he still loves you. And he's proven that because he's died on the cross for you now, not just mm. for you in the past. I, I think one of the big maybe background issues here is our whole understanding of perfection. You know, in Matthew's mm. gospel, Matthew chapter 5, he says, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And I'm sure everybody feels completely at peace and relaxed when they hear that. <laughs> that's not a high bar to say. <laughs> but I think, I think that sort of creates something of this Catholic neurosis that we're like, oh, I'm never worthy to go to the Eucharist. I'm never good enough. And can we pause there for a second? Because we do have a, a very different standard of perfection that we see again and again and again through social media, through our, our general media, uh, even within families of what perfection is. And it, it actually consumes people mm. in, in their pursuit of that one area. And if I become perfect in the area, then I, I have success. I'll be successful both in a monetary term, but also in relationships. Uh, so whether it is body image, uh, whether it is actually an ability, so singing or dancing or, uh, or even um, for, Father Dave, for, for, for Father Dave and I might be stonemasonry actually are trying to get our chapel to stand up and uh, actually putting our identity in that ability. I think by both of us can say that we don't put much of our identity in our, in our uh, craftsmanship of that particular chapel. It does look like it's already 800 years old, which in of itself is quite an achievement. I just hope but, it doesn't fall down while anyone's inside. But anyway, that's, that's, that's yes. my concern. <laughs> Small enough, it doesn't need building approval. <laughs> no, but but large enough to hurt. <laughs> so we, we we have we have this perfection that we have around us in society, and this is a very different perfection. Well, Matthew's going going back to it because Luke's gospel, where he basically tells the same story, he says, "Be compassionate, as your heavenly Father is compassionate." Mm. And I always oh. think, if you take both of those together, be perfectly compassionate. Well, maybe God's compassion, or maybe God's perfection is his mercy. Mm. And he's trying to say to us, actually, you will be perfect when you are merciful and compassionate. Changes the whole equation completely. True mm. story, Father Dave Callahan is a missionary of God's love, and they were very nearly the missionaries of God's mercy. They would have, could have been MGMs. That, that, that is the story that is told. Yeah. I don't know how long they yeah. considered that for, but I've a heard. Fleeting, a fleeting yeah. moment. Mm. So mm. I just want to pick up on the statement there. You know, you might feel like, or whatever, you know, you're not worthy to go to communion. And I just, on one hand, that's always the case. No. Mm. Fundamentally, no, no. because of you, you know, because of your action, there's nothing you've done to make you worthy to receive communion. And that's why sort it's love. Yeah. But, but, but Jesus' action, and he calls you to it, makes you welcome regardless. Yeah, again, because I think we, going back to what Sam was saying, we, we've been trained to believe that I'm worthy of love when I have no, no fault in me, whereas actually yes. love is perfected in mercy. So it's, it's like, so in marriage, I, I always say this to couples i'm preparing for, for weddings it's like the day when you wake up and find absolutely nothing in your spouse worthy of love that's when your love is actually going to become real you know like if you can make a decision to love purely out of mercy mm. it's the thought. hardest it's the hardest love to receive you know we, we we can feel like we can receive a love when we've earned it 
Yes. But when it's That's right. a gift. When I'm when I'm <laughs> working hard around the house, when I've done stuff to make me think that I'm worthy of being loved, then it's easy to receive. Yeah. And and that's our worldview of perfection, isn't it? I will be loved. If I can achieve this perfection, well, people will love me. Mm. That's ultimately what's at the the uh, the, the root cause of that pursuit of perfection. Mm. So I love you, Father Dave. I love your um when you keep coming back to marriage as the image, well, which is Jesus' image of you know the church being his bride and and, yeah, he, and the wedding and all that kind of thing, you know, yeah. But so it's in a good application. But think of that in my own marriage. I mean, I seen the other day, I was talking to my my darling and and said, you know, even though you're annoying at times, I I, I really love you. <laughs> which which she she wanted How'd that to, go? She, well, she sought some clarification on, on on what annoying you know. Which anyway, it was probably not quite the point. But I think it does tie into. Did you did you stop at that point and say this 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 is what I'm talking about? Uh, no, no. But I think that that ties into what we're talking about, and that, that's that's hundred percent my experience. You know, my my darling isn't perfect. My bride isn't perfect, but but I love her. Mm. Can we give her a right of reply? She's pretty good. She's she she's very good. Like I don't want you know. Like I don't want to. No, I was just wondering what her view of you was. Um, well, yeah, we got into that as well. So you know, okay. Um, you know, <laughs> let's just let's just say it's there's a healthy uh, mutuality. Uh, you know, <laughs> that could be the next podcast, sort of live marriage counselling with. <laughs> <laughs> So every anyway, single person is broken. Well, and that's what I was going to no say. Getting... That, but that's how I was, that's that's the image. That's how Jesus sees us. You go, you're not, you know, you go. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm not worthy. Yep, agreed, understood. Now come anyway. Hmm. Hmm. The thing that fascinates me though is there's a lot of people who I think have become so obsessed with that worldly view of perfection that they've almost started to believe the lie themselves and can't even see their own brokenness. Mm. You know, there are people who say, oh, you know, I can see everybody else's faults, but I can't see mine. Yeah, and that's, that, <laughs> that's that classic, you know, take the speck out of your brother's eye. Yeah. But it, it almost becomes a defence mechanism. It's like we would be so devastated to actually see the truth of ourselves that all of us live to some degree in this delusion. You know, we... We, we are constantly lying to ourselves about just how weak and frail and messed up we are uh, because mm. we just can't handle it. And, and, and the reason we can't handle it is because we don't actually feel safe in our brokenness. Mm. And I, I won't you know, keep ranting here, but I, I think this is the, this is the, the essence of the, what Jesus did. He basically tried to say, you are so loved and you are so safe in that love that you can now step out of the cave and reveal your mess to the world or, or at least to God. Because as long as you live in a world based on justice and shame, you're always going to hide and you can never actually be true to yourself. We're not very good at this in, in the world of bringing things into the light. There really is within our culture a sense of, well, if there's what you do in your own time is your own business and just don't bring it into the light. Mm. And everything will be okay. It happened like from the very beginning, you know, Genesis two or three, where mm. the devil says, you know, you do this, 
eat the eat the fruit because then you'll be then you'll be like God. It's not bad. It'll be good. You know, you'll be better off. And then they do. And and the first thing they do is hide sort of from each other by wearing fig leaves and stuff, and then hide from God when He turns up in the evening. Mm. And we've been using fig leaves ever since. Only these days they're more expensive. Yeah. You know. Mm. The person's house, that's a fig leaf. The car, there's a fig leaf. You know, the job, the title, it's a fig leaf. All of it's to try and hide the fact that we're completely weak. Mm. Yeah. And the question is, you know, who, who are you when the fig leaf is removed? Yeah, well, and, and For many people, that, that that's only, you know, when, when they are elderly or when they're sick and suddenly the all the, the position and title and wealth disappears. <laughs> and the fig leaf's been stripped away. Exactly. And then who are you? Yep. What have you got left? Yep. You are 30 seconds from death and you know it. Mm. Who are you? Yeah. For a lot of people, they're, ang- they're angry. They're, they're, they're fighting to get their fig leaf back. <laughs> Whereas I think, I think probably the measure of real, real conversion is if a person can have everything stripped away and still be comfortable and just say, well, I know who I am. Can you please <laughs> write a book called Fighting to Get My Fig Leaf Back? <laughs> Give me my fig leaf back. <laughs> fighting for fig leaves. Father Dave Callahan. Yeah. I remember years ago I was uh, I was driving up to Sydney to do a, a mass and I and I was I was going to be preaching about this because I think the readings were Genesis on Genesis 3. And this uh really nice Ferrari overtook me on the highway. And my first thought was, that's a really nice fig leaf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Now we're gonna be we gotta have to clarify here that we aren't saying that things of beauty are bad we're saying that we put things that there's a sense of greed we put things in place of god we put things in place yes. of love or compassion or i i'm really sorry that you are in this position but right now this needs to be my focus so that i can fulfill my dreams which have nothing to do with compassion or love but about getting to a certain position where i then feel that people will love me mm. and that's my most important goal so we talked a number of times about the signpost not being the end point, which is a bit easier to see in nature. But even the Ferrari, the, the power and the beauty of the Ferrari in, in some way is a reflection of God's nature. Men have put that together to ref- mm. on purpose. Like it's not, it's not an accident that that is a beautiful and strong car. And we are created to create. We're invited. Men and women are invited into co creation we 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 have within us this amazing gift this ability to logically think through things and to build an art, uh, an artistic streak within everyone some it's more evident than others mm. but but when but when we look at the ferrari as an end in itself and think that that will actually satisfy my deepest desires and then in either a short time or a long time you realize that it can't because it's only an image of God who is more beautiful and more powerful and and can satisfy your deepest desires. So we sort of easily kind of idolatize the fig leaves. Mm. So that's a problem. Can I, here we go. I'm going to give a, a, a true story sharing on Sons of Thunder that's currently live. So right now I am absolutely <clears throat> snowed under with work. And that's not, you know, you hear that a bit. I've, I've just hit it. Unfortunately, I'm doing two jobs at the same time. And mum and dad oh, have also. Only two. 
Yeah, just two. But mum and dad have also left me with one and a half thousand acres because they've gone to Western Australia, Marty. They're over your way. Oh, right. Visiting my sister and brother-in-law and their children. So, uh, so you're up to three, three jobs. I, I three got jobs. three jobs now. I'm, I'm finding can't quite do it, and so I'm stretched a lot. Now the result is when I should actually be heading to bed. Instead, I've been looking through a Harley Davidson catalogue. Oh, that's a nice fig leaf. This is multiple nights in a row. I've sat there looking <laughs> at this Harley Davidson catalogue and I even have the, the really thick book that has all the different parts and stuff you can change in and out so you can modify. I, I used to have a had a few bikes. I have none. I have sold my bikes. I, I found myself and I suddenly became aware on like the maybe the fifth night of looking at this catalogue in a row, that the reason I just yearn at the moment to have a motorbike again is because I feel overstretched, I'm tired, and I just want to go for a ride. And realised actually what I'm actually really longing for is peace and quiet, which was missing from my day just in prayer. Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. actually what the the Harley getting a bike again was actually leading towards because it is for those who don't ride it is actually it's one of the most beautiful things yes some people buy a bike to drive down the main strag and be looked at one of the most beautiful things about riding a bike and particularly out on the farm we've got farm bikes still is it's quite fun father dave you ride a bicycle you have a uh, mm. a, road, a road bike uh marty you go for a run sometimes yeah i've got a road bike too but road bike oh you do too yeah yeah. So it's a similar sensation and mm. that, that's really nice. But really what that's, what if you get deeper and deeper into it, it's just a longing for silence with God. Mm. A few weeks ago, I was, like you guys know me, I'm a bit fat, right? I eat a lot. I was, um, I was in bed and I was bored and going to sleep and I thought, oh, I might go down the fridge and have something to eat, which like physiologically is there's no need for me to eat at that. Like I've, I've eaten plenty that day. But I just had this like, I might go and eat something. And and I was sort of trying to pray at the same time. And I felt the Lord say to me, you don't need food, you need me. <laughs> and he's absolutely right. <laughs> that comfort from being full or something, it, it's so transitory, mm. almost irrelevant. So I didn't. So I stayed there in the presence of the Lord. My mum, my mum would still yell that at me sometimes. You don't need food, you need Jesus. <laughs> Well, the last Actually, time she yelled at me was who ate the yogurt. <laughs> That's and I, right. And oh. I said, it was, it was me. It's me. Sam said it was all right. She said, well, you're in deep <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I am, I am sorry that I threw you under the bus with that because I did genuinely thought that the, the yogurt was to be eaten. I didn't realise mum had bought it because there were a heap, of, a heap of us coming around and she was going to cook a lamb roast and uh, make a yogurt sauce. It was delicious with raspberries. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, my mum swore at you. But like, it was one of the family, really. <laughs> so getting, oh, back to this thing, uh, <laughs> getting back to the whole thing of brokenness, because uh, we, we sort of went on a tangent there. Um, have you guys ever come across Henri Nouwen? He wrote a bunch of no. spiritual is books. That, is that how you say it? Yeah, I always called it Newen, but it's actually now. Yeah, I thought it was Henry yeah. Newen. Yeah, yeah. He's French, is he, or German? Dutch. Dutch. Henri. Yeah. Henri Nouwen. Yeah. Henry, Henry Newen. Henry, Henry Newen. Newen. <laughs> yeah, no, apparently he, yes. he, wrote, he wrote a book called Now and Then, which I think was intentionally trying to On his name. Teach, teach people how to pronounce his name. <laughs> 
<laughs> He's got this beautiful book called Being the Beloved or The Life of the Beloved, I think it's called. There's a, there's a video on YouTube called Being the Beloved. But it is basically all about this whole thing of like, how do you really come to know the love of God as someone who struggles constantly with sin, you know, and habits which you just aren't going to get over anytime soon. He's got this, this really simple thing, going back to the, your thing of perfection, Sam, where he talks about how for most people, their identity is their achievements plus what other people think of them. And so if, if their achievements are good and other people think they're good, then they are good. But if they fail or other people think that they're useless, then their identity is terrible. And so for that most people... A really delicate view of the world. Well, it's, it's like being on a roller coaster. You're up or down, you know, like, like you're either king of the world or you're trash. Um, I feel like we should almost stop the podcast for 10 minutes, put meditation music on and just let everyone meditate on that. that. Yeah. So say it one more time. So your identity is your achievements plus what other people think of you. However, he then says what it really should be is that your identity should be how you were created plus how you were redeemed plus what's the third one? Um, how you created, how you were redeemed. Well, how um, you respond to that or something. And I think, you know, like how God sees you. There was three things to it. You know, so basically you were created very good. You were redeemed as someone who was a sinner but loved. Um, and, and you were seen as being the beloved. Um, mm. So so basically creates this, this stable identity. Like, like no matter whether you achieve great things or fail terribly. Yeah, you're still the beloved. You're still the beloved. And, 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 you're, and you're standing in the truth that I, I know that I'm a mess. I know that I'm broken. Mm. And that's okay. It's actually a really beautiful description of sainthood. You think back through so many saints who suffered, that really does put a nice, uh, a nice fence around, if you will, mm. what, what, was, what they held dear. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or even when you see the detachment that a lot of the saints had, you know, where their life's work could fall apart and everyone could turn against them. And they're just like, meh, whatever. You know, like, like it doesn't yeah. change who I am. You know, the whole world could be at your feet celebrating you. I mean, St. Paul's a classic example of um, that passage in the Acts of the Apostles where he's in, oh, I forget the, the, the town he's in, but they, they, they heal this guy and all the Greeks suddenly think that they're the incarnation of a couple of the gods and they start, you know, oh, sacrificing yeah. cattle to them and hailing Hermes them as and, gods. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, a bunch of the Jewish people get jealous and they start stoning them to death. You know, so he goes from absolute adulation to almost being killed. And as all the other Christians are standing around mourning him because they think that he's dead under this pile of rocks, he sort of unburies himself, gets up and walks straight back into the town and keeps preaching. You know, mm -hmm. like he's, he's not having a pity party. He's not sort of 
thinking, you know, oh, woe is me, or like so he, just, she, he knows who he is. Because, because let's let's put this straight. She that would have hurt. Oh, he would have looked hor- horrendous. So Acts chapter fourteen, if you want to go look it up, when they're in, uh, you know, Iconium and Lystra and, and Derbe, um, classic story. But yeah, like he would have looked terrible, crushed, almost as bad as Stephen. Yes, almost. That's a that that's an Acts of the Apostles joke. So I sort of see these things in military kind of terms. Not that I've been in the military, but if you understand that the work's the Lord's and not yours, and you're just cooperating with it, you're doing what you've been asked to do, and the outcome is therefore, the, the total outcome at the end of the day isn't your responsibility. Your responsibility is just the bit you've been asked to do. This is sounding like engineering consultant terms. This oh, is not, not really. This. Not really. No one, no one does what they're told in our industry. But if you did, if you understood that, and if you're a soldier, if your task is to go and give this message or your task is to hold this bridge until you die and that's your task, you just hold the bridge until you die. And you've done what you've been asked to do. You know, the fact whether that particular campaign is successful or not is not your responsibility. Mm. Yeah. And then, then, yeah, like in the the Christian sense, I suppose that there is something of that humility of just knowing who we are. You know, Mm. for for most people, I think life is this constant need to prove our existence, you know, that I'm, I'm not taking up space in the world. I actually have meaning and purpose. I think really at the heart of Christianity, it's, it's saying, well, I know that I'm pretty insignificant and yet I know that the God of the universe died for me. So at the same time, I'm both infinitely important and not important at all. Mm. And I can sit in the tension of that and, Mm. you know, I live my life. If I die, okay, whatever. I've done my bit. Mm. Knowing that, like all of us, we'll we'll die at the moment when the Father ordains that that's your time. (laughs) It won't happen by accident. Mm. It may look like an accident, but anyway. It got a bit morbid. <laughs> I'm thinking mine's likely to be an accident. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've had many know. accidents, but it hasn't been your time to go. <laughs> it hasn't been my time. Yeah, you've, you've done your darndest. <laughs> uh, you still got all your fingers. You're fine. Yeah, mine was sewn back on. Yours wasn't so lucky. He tried. Yes. <laughs> right and failed. So... Oh, there's, there's something else I want to mention, which is not really quite relevant, but it's fun. I went to went to watch the rugby last night here, watch the force play, and we were short one of our second rowers. He wasn't playing, and he's he's not quite the biggest. The other one's bigger, but they're really important position in the in the pack, right? But this guy, he just has a presence on the field that you know the replacements just don't quite have. And I was talking to the guy next to me, and it's as though he just says, you know, I'm not moving. You know, I'm not stepping back. Come with me, guys. This is going to hurt, which in human terms is a ridiculous thing to invite people to. But I was, as I was saying this, I was just this image of seeing Jesus on the cross. <laughs> I was saying, come with me, guys. This is going to hurt. <laughs> mm. you, sorry, Marty, as you're telling that story, I was thinking about all that international listeners. When you start off saying you went to the football and they'd think either they'd soccer, think soccer. They'd soccer or not, American football soccer, or whatever. Not soccer. And, that, and then he says rugby. They go, oh, rugby. And then he says rowers. They go, what, what game is this? <laughs> second row. The second row. It's, it's a position. The 130 kilo guys, you know. <laughs> With oars. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like hurling, the, the Irish game. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. they'd sink the boat if they were sitting on it. But anyway, we we do tend to 
we skim over this a fair bit about picking up our cross and carrying it. Where are we carrying that cross to? Mm. Or to to our death alongside Christ? Yeah, that's the um, unspoken bit at the end, isn't it? <laughs> it's implied. So like, pick, that's right. Pick, pick, up your, pick up your cross. What, what are you going to do with your cross? Don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me, boys. This is going to hurt. Uh, yeah. There's something in that, though, which I think is what really sort of sets Christianity apart, you know. So if if the rest of human history has been this desperate attempt to try and make ourselves into God, yep. you know, to try and prove that we're stronger than everyone else, you know, it's almost like Frederick Nietzsche's, you know, Superman sort of idea, you know, whoever is the most powerful wins. Jesus went the opposite direction. And this is the bit mm. that always fascinates me, that, that he is God, and yet he went completely into his humanity. So, so the whole thing of the temptation in the desert where, you know, he's tempted to perform miracles and become the king of the world and become the most powerful. And he actually says, no, I'm actually really comfortable in all the weakness that comes with being human. I'm happy to be hungry. I'm happy to be helpless. Mm. And it's almost like he's trying to show us that there is sinful parts of our nature, but then there are just basically weak parts of our nature, which we hate. And mm. we're constantly trying to yes. get away from. Yes. <laughs> and it's like Jesus saying, actually, you're going to find perfect. You, you, it's almost going to find your way to heaven by entering into those things. Mm. And so something of going to the cross is like, are you prepared to really join me in the, the weakness and the helplessness of all of that? Because within that, compassion exists within its fullness, whether it's other people's compassion to us or our compassion to those around us. Or allowing yeah. God, God's mercy, that compassion to enter fully into us. Exactly, yeah. Because if, if I'm comfortable with my own brokenness, I can then be comfortable with everybody else's as well and love and just, that. And just sit with someone who's broken. Yeah. Whereas if I'm striving for perfection, I'm going to be demanding perfection of everybody else and be mm. hating everybody. Mm. So part of that's why death's so important in a strange way. But you finally get to this point through whatever, through whatever accidental means, Sam, you, you know, pursue but you you get to this point where you you can't i think my head you know, will say got him eventually <laughs> but you can't you know hold on for as long as you can the you know, i can't you just can't you know you can't i can't i need you god well this this is where if, if you go back to this whole thing like if if we're meant to become comfortable with our weakness and and the helplessness of being human then we would have to say, yes, death is a very important part of the process because it's where that, that illusion of me being in control gets stripped away. Yes. And I've actually got to become comfortable with the fact that I'm a creature and I'm helpless and I'm, I'm dependent. And, and I think this is why euthanasia is actually such an issue. You know, Because it, it's about control. Well, it's, it is. And it's, it's, it's sort of like a, an ultimate rebellion against everything which is human like it's a it's a rebellion against the frailty that comes with death mm. um and i and i get that i can understand why for people who don't know christianity or don't know christ and 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 the and the pain of having to see family members suffer but i think if we try and look at it through a theological perspective there is something so important in that journey basically joining christ in the desert and and having everything stripped away from us being comfortable in the fact that we're human and we're weak and, and we're broken and that sucks and it's terrible, mm. but so, somehow that's our redemption. Remember when my, when my non-nor was dying, 
and he was he's a Italian, you know, my grandfather. He's he was tough. He was really, really tough, right? Especially compared to me and people of my generation. You know, he just kept on keeping on. When he and when he was, I don't know, eighty or something, he went into a nursing home and they said he had, you know, six months to live. And three years later, he's he's still there because he just wouldn't still playing Scorpio. Let go. <laughs> Scorpa, Scorpio. Scorpa. What is it? What's it called? Scorpa. Scorpa. Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm great, not great, yeah, great, great. You know, exposed as a non-wog. <laughs> and remember, Mum saying on that she was there the night that he died, and and she was and she was praying with him and talking to him, and she's and he was so close to death, and she was saying to him, "Let let go, just go, go to Jesus. It's you know, it's time." And sort of had felt like she sort of had to convince him to actually take that last you know step of letting go for the guy who has just worked hard his entire life to create a better situation for his family and and just spent himself for good and for noble purposes but at the end had to let go and go that's not ultimately that's not your purpose Mm. Mm. and he did he finally might have been the first time he did what he was told i don't know (laughs) (laughs) no i remember being at your place and your mum saying sit down at the table and he did (laughs) All right, second time. <laughs> second time. So for the week ahead, I think for each of us, there is a call on us to really try and identify the fig leaves. In our brokenness, what are we holding on to, placing in front of us, pursuing, seeking, dreaming of that is an end goal other than relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Mm. Mm. But also, I think, where are we hiding from God by... You know, we were talking before about how you know, we, Adam and Eve hid from God in the garden. I think we can very often present to God the perfect version of ourselves in prayer mm-hmm. rather than actually saying this is the truth of who I am. So this came up. I remember a year ago, about a year ago, I, I went into Mass, right, and I was late because I dropped everyone off and then parked the car and, and, went, and I was really, really frustrated with my children at the time, right? I was, I was, I can't remember what was going on, but I just remember being so angry. And I came into the church that had just started, and I'm standing at the back waiting to go to my seat. And I had this sort of revelation of just how ugly I felt because of this anger. And I was sitting there saying and, and, and just silently praying, saying to Jesus, I'm so pissed off and this is me and it's really ugly. And I felt Jesus say, you were even uglier when I first met you, which was an amazing kind of revelation you well, was you know and i loved you then and i love you now i'm, I'm often to use a, a father dave callahan ism i'm fascinated with in genesis where it says gee uh, god asks where are you to adam and eve well i've often thought god knows exactly where they are this is a question for them to answer and they need mm. to answer it yeah Adam where are you? Where he is. Yeah. Mm. Where, ah. where have you gone? Where are you going? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's the question God's constantly asking us. You know, do you know where you are? You know, do you know how much you're hiding? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for entering into our world, into our lives. We thank you for calling us to repent and to believe. 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for calling us to bring our brokenness into the light and to stand in your love, in the the in, in your radiant face. We pray, Holy Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, that you would bless us with the graces we all require to draw more deeply into your love and to let go of everything that we place in between us as a as a shield as a fig leaf and we pray all this in your name lord jesus amen amen blessed henry henry nelman newman 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 nelman Nowen, Nowen, is he a saint or a blessed? Uh, yeah, yeah, he died a couple of years ago, I think. So I don't think he's anywhere near that. Okay, cut yeah, that out. That, that gets awkward. <laughs> Our Lady, help of Christians. Pray, pray, pray for, for us. us, Lord. We pray a blessing upon us and all those who are listening to us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 So I was just thinking about fig leaves and thinking, well, it's not good clothes for you, Father Dave. Why were you thinking that? What? You know, what are your fig leaves that, you know, you, you, you know, take you away? Because, you know, because of your uniform. Is that called a habit? Uh, consecrated it's not dress. Really, is it? Something Conse- like that. <laughs> con- I don't know. Consecrated dress, not a consecrated dress. No, just, yeah. <laughs> just consecrated dress. Something like that. Fig leaves would have to be the most. Useless bit of clothing ever. <laughs> oh, they're big. They are big leaves. They do cover a lot. But if it's Better windy. Than... And they, hang on, hang on. It says they sewed some together. It's not one. It's uh, Don't forget about the artists. Doesn't it say just after that, that when they leave the garden, that God made them clothes? Well, yeah, I think that's the key thing because God almost helps them cover their own brokenness and weakness. Yeah. Better than fig leaves. Yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other story. We just got another new boss, like the boss's boss's boss, a new whatever. I don't know what title they're called anyway. Important person. And he sent out this email of, you know, this is who I am, you know, kind of, you know, just short one on, you know, come and pretend to like me kind of thing. He did he did the whole hi. Yeah, I'm that kind of that kind of thing in an email. And but halfway through he wrote I love my PS4, I'm a massive gamer. And I just yeah. read this and lost all respect, thought what grown man admits to playing video games, even if you did like it. What makes you think you should tell other people about it? But you know the average age of a gamer in Australia? No. He's like 34, 35. You're kidding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When? So when does people stop being children these days? 40. They don't. No, 40, I'm 42. <laughs> <laughs>